This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Latest report on home sales is out. While the coming days will include Fed minutes plus numbers on consumer spending and inflation, we welcome in Tom Hudson, the week ahead columnist for McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Tom, uh, what is the financial world going to focus on this week before setting their uh, out of office email uh, announcements on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday? Well, I think one of those pieces of news that uh, traders and investors are waiting for came in Monday, which was who is President Biden uh, going to nominate to lead the Federal Reserve for the next several years? And it's consistency. And as we heard in the Bloomberg report, generally applause, mild, maybe a golf clap coming from Wall Street with Jay Powell's uh, renomination to serve another term as chairman of the Federal Reserve. I think what it does is it removes an uncertainty for investors that had been growing as the president had been I don't know if he was delaying an announcement or just, uh, you know, kind of navigating perhaps the Senate nomination hearing with some of the more progressive uh, side of, uh, of the Democratic Party. But it does remove that uncertainty before that uh, vacation uh, uh, reminder goes out. I think the other thing, Rob, that folks are going to look on is trying to discern inflation here, right, in any which way, shape or form it can come. And I think this week's durable goods report, which is usually just kind of a mild interest for investors in Wall Street, is going to have more significance because of the types of goods that we've seen reflect more long-lasting inflation. Not the transitory inflation that can be the case with food and energy, but rather dishwashers, furniture, clothes, hot water heaters, cars, new cars, used cars. Those are things that we're going to look for in this durable goods report to try to get a really good idea of what the latest is on the supply chain issues. And there will be all eyes will be on uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday <laughs> as more retailers uh, return, promising a return to the more traditional uh, shopping experience compared to, compared to last year where the you know COVID-19 was starting to ramp up again and we're all, we're all told to just uh, stay home by yourselves and uh, don't hit the malls don't hit the stores and do all of your shopping online. But more people are going to be doing shopping in person. And uh, the National Retail Federation uh, is, expects uh, holiday sales to grow between 8.5 and 10.5% compared to last wow. year. What, uh, when can we start to get a sense of whether or not those numbers are being hit? I, I think probably midday Friday, right? Uh, we're going to see certainly a significant increase compared to last year when we were in the grips of the pandemic. Had no real uh, uh, a good treatment for COVID. And certainly we did not have vaccines last Black Friday. This time around, we do. And we'll see if people show up. But boy, don't bet against the American consumer, particularly even against the last year, the cooped up nature of this pandemic. Uh, folks uh, socking away money either through stimulus checks or continuing to work, not having the gas bills if they have the luxury of working from home. Folks want to spend. We've seen that in the travel figures. We've seen that in the retail sales figures over the past many, many months. 
I think I think retailers are bracing for for something big, and it's going to be spread out not only on Black Friday with Cyber Monday, but we're going to really kind of see that tail of shopping, the tail of consumers this holiday season. I think spread out over over a good long time. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon, Tom Hudson, the Week Ahead columnist, McClatchy Tribune News Services, based in Miami. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The company that runs the largest network of Bitcoin ATMs in America is based right here in Chicago. Let's find out more from uh, newly minted Cranes 40 Under 40 member Ben Weiss, co-founder of CoinFlip based in Chicago. Ben, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, this network of Bitcoin ATMs, uh, where can you find them across the Chicago area? Are they just in one spot or uh, are they as ubiquitous as uh, cash ATMs? So they're all over the place. We operate over 3,000 locations in 49 states. And right here in the Chicago area, we have 161 um, ATMs from in the city to the suburbs. Our goal is, you know, an ATM every five to 10 minute drive. So at coinflip.tech, you can find a location close to you. Now, uh, you, you've been doing this now uh, since the middle of the last decade. You know, what was the kind of aha moment uh, for you and your partner? Uh, you guys were in college still uh, when you started to you wanted to put the first Bitcoin ATM in there. You know, how did you decide to, you know, make this uh, this cryptocurrency real in the form of an, of an automated teller machine? Well, me and my co-founder, Daniel, um, we're pretty tech savvy and we saw how hard it was to buy Bitcoin. And then we're like, how is our parents ever going to buy Bitcoin? We believe everyone who wants to purchase crypto should have the chance. So we wanted to have a physical aspect where, you know, someone just needs their phone and cash and they can participate in the crypto economy. Cryptocurrency, you know, whether it's these uh, meme coins or or just good old fashioned Bitcoin now, uh, for a lot of people who are outside of the space, it's very hard to kind of uh, get a good handle on what it is and how it accrues value and how this could be beneficial to you or how you as a civilian can utilize it. And do you find that the uh, ATM, you know, just something that's a part of all of our lives, uh, demystifies uh, cryptocurrency a little bit? Yeah, it makes it easier for people to understand. It has that physical aspect. And then another thing that I'm really proud of is our 24-7 customer support. I mean, this year we did over 180,000 uh, calls answered, 12-second wait time. So if you're ever at the machine and you need help, you, know, you can call our customer support. And what we try to do is bring a customer-first approach to the crypto industry a lot of tech people make tech products for other tech people instead of for their consumers. And uh, how does uh, you know, how has your customer base grown uh, since 2015 uh, as cryptocurrency becomes a larger part of the financial conversation? Oh, I mean, it's grown rapidly, and our customer base looks exactly you know like the people in America. It's you know everyone from people who are unbanked or unbanked to you know, teachers, firefighters, we have um, an OTC desk where, you know, higher net worth individuals can send wires as well. So it's become a pretty diverse and broad um, group of people. And it just shows that Bitcoin and crypto is here to stay. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, I, I saw a Bitcoin ATM in the Merchandise Mart, and this was 2014 or so. Was that you guys who put that machine in there? 
That was not me. Oh, okay. We that was the... CoinFlip 2015. Okay. So. so that was not your machine. Uh, ben Weiss, co-founder of CoinFlip based in Chicago. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. There are some signs that a baby boom among millennials is on the way. We'll discuss what that could mean for the U.S. economy with Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. Now, the the, the metrics here uh, are, are exercised with a little bit of uh, discretion, tastefully uh, figuring out uh, why this uh, baby boom might be underway. And that's because uh, 13% more pregnancy tests are being sold now compared to last year. And this may be a sign that the millennial generation, which covers everybody who's in their 20s up to their early 40s, uh, might feel a little more secure in their finances and in their place in the world. And now they want to bring a child or children into it. That's right. And indeed, there are a number of straws in the wind that are like the ones you just referred to. Uh, there's some that are more statistically based and systematic, though, of course, it's still early. But nonetheless, most of the signs seem to be pointing to an uptick in births. And uh, that would be a good sign. Most people actually felt like that uptick would show up in the data right after the pandemic led to those lockdowns in March and April of last year, you may recall. That did not pan out. And indeed, there have been a lot of articles that appeared in the latter part of last year and early this year, calling it a baby bust as opposed to a baby boom. But maybe uh, we're finally seeing the early signs of it, and it would be a good sign long-term for the economy if you have uh, more births. Many people have worried about what it means to the long-term health of the economy, especially we can see this in Social Security, if uh, if more of us get old and there are fewer workers, uh, young people coming up through the ranks, that means fewer and fewer people are having to support more of, more of us uh, in retirement, and that's not a good sign. Well, there have been a number of studies, including a story we had in the last hour about the uh, continuing declining birth rate uh, across the world. Um, you know, the a, 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 a jump in the in the number of pregnancy tests sold is uh, certainly one metric. But uh, how would this? Uh, how far would it have to go to actually arrest uh, this trend that's been going on for years of people just deciding to have uh, fewer kids or no kids at all? Well, that's a very good question, and of course, no one knows for sure. It may be that all we're seeing is an uptick that would bring us back to the trend line that was in place already before the pandemic. And that trend line, as you correctly point out, was a down, downwardly uh, sloping trend line. Uh, there has been a decline in the birth rates, not only in the U.S., but around the world. And so it could be that we're just bouncing back to trend, or it may be that this is a reversal of that trend, and it all depends on whether this continues. Of course, as I say, no one knows. One other thing that's worth pointing out, however, is that even though there is a downward trend in the birth rate in the U.S. over the last couple of decades, we're actually, in relative terms, better off than many of the other industrialized countries in the world. And I'll mention China in this regard. China is in really bad shape long term from a demographic point of view. And that's why a couple of years ago they, they got rid of their one-child policy and went to two children. And now, you may recall, just in the last year, they went to allowing for even more than that. And that's because their projections are that actually the, the, the population of China by the end of this century could be well 
below where it is now, not just a slower growth rate, but well below where it is now. And that does not augur well for the long term economic growth. This is a fascinating discussion, and we can go on for an hour just about uh, demographic trends and the uh, uh, state of the economy and how this will uh, impact the world post-COVID, but we got to leave it here. Mark Hulbert, uh, Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington, D.C. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Let's get a rundown on trading now from Shah Galani, Chief Investment Strategist, MoneyMorning.com. Shah, thanks for joining us today. Well, at first glance, it sounds like Wall Street really, really, really likes Jerome Powell, and they want him to stick around as the chair of the Federal Reserve. I think that's 100% the case. Markets reflected that immediately, and I think they're going to continue to go higher. Uh, the fear was that Leo Brainerd would be a little more dovish, if not a lot more dovish, um, certainly a little more towards uh, the climate change agenda politically, and uh, that might have meant some more printing. And I think the markets say that uh, it's good to have that behind us now. Jerome Powell is going to be favorable to the markets. We know that. And uh, so they're reflecting that, and they're going to continue to go higher. There's a lot of, there's a lot of room up above where we can go to as long as the economy continues cooking along the way it has and as long as we get good holiday retail sales, which so far is so good. And uh, once again, one one analyst said this was uh, definitely uh, uh, President Biden uh, thanking Chairman Powell for his service uh, during the economic downturn at the start of the COVID pandemic for un- unleashing all of those tools that uh, basically uh, kept a bad situation from getting considerably worse and that now uh, he just has to stay the landing as far as the recovery is concerned. That's well put. He has to stick the landing. I love that. Uh, that's no easy task. Uh, so far, so good. But I don't think the, the Fed is going to give up on accommodation without a fight, meaning I think they're going to taper slower than probably most analysts expect, which is a good thing for the market. And they're certainly in no rush to raise interest rates anytime in 2022 and probably not even in 2023. So again, these are all things that the market respects in Jerome Powell, expects from him, and uh, now probably wait to see how he delivers. What are some of the economic forces that are going to be at work in the uh, remaining weeks of 2021? Uh, we do have, it sounds like uh, shoppers are uh, doing brisk business as far as holiday shopping is concerned. Uh, people are jumping into uh, every available airline seat, whether it's uh, in the U.S. or elsewhere in the world. Uh, business travel hasn't come back yet, but leisure travel is certainly there. Uh, are investors still keeping an eye on uh, virus rates or is with the proliferation of uh, vaccines and that uh, Pfizer therapy? Uh, is that weighing on their mind as it might to the degree it did uh, in the spring and summer? It is certainly weighing on minds. Um, as far as investors looking at the quote-unquote reopening stocks, they've been all over the place. I, I think the time has come, and it's probably almost upon us, where the airline stocks, the cruise lines, the uh, travel and leisure stocks will be at their probable close to bottom and time to buy in, partly because of increased vaccination rates and certainly because I think the COVID, uh, the Pfizer COVID-19 pill is going to be a game changer and that is going to take us out of this pandemic. So I'm very optimistic about that and I think uh, we're going to start to see that in some of those sectors. And then very quickly, uh, looking ahead to 2022, uh, do you see business travel uh, uh, coming back in a big way as people realize that, yes, it is a lot more fun to go to a hotel in some other city and talk to people and drink on the company 
company dime as opposed to doing meetings via Zoom? I'm not so sure about the business travel. Uh, certainly, as far as personal travel and leisure, uh, I think that is going to explode. But I think business travelers understand the cost of business travel is a lot higher than they ever imagined. They just took it as part of what they had to do, and they recognize there's an awful lot to be saved from not having to go on these trips, not having to spend the money. And I think that, I don't think that business travel is going to rebound as a lot of other investors think it will. I think it's probably going to remain fairly low for some time to come. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Shah Galani, Chief Investment Strategist at MoneyMorning.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The S&P Retail Index is flying high as the holiday shopping season kicks into gear. Let's talk about the prospects for the retail sector this year with Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors, formerly vice chairman at Target and chairman and CEO of Toys R Us, now in Vero Beach, Florida. Jerry, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, some of the online retailers, you know, they're always the darlings of Wall Street, the Amazons, the Walmarts, the Targets, uh, always doing well or are always highly regarded by investors. But now, uh, some some new names are, uh, are are the darlings of the investor class: Dillard's, Macy's, uh, Signet, the jeweler, the owner of Jared and Kay. And uh, I feel like I'm in high school once again because Abercrombie and Fitch is really popular. Well, look, uh, retail sales are simply very very hot right now, and so of course all these retailers are doing well. Uh, the consumers have money. It's not just pent-up demand. I keep reading that. Oh, it's pent-up demand. It's not just pent-up demand, and you can see that. I can prove that because there are big increases in categories that are way up during the pandemic. So things like building materials like Home Depot or Lowe's, they're still compounding on top of that growth, unbelievable, unprecedented additional growth. So we're seeing retail sales for the holiday period likely to be up double digits. So I'm saying maybe 12% for the holiday season, a huge increase. I don't remember the last time that happened. That's on top of last year's 8% increase in total, over 20% increase over the pre-pandemic years in 2019. So that's why retail stocks are flying. So if it's not uh, pent-up demand, is this just simply a reflection of the fact that uh, many household balance sheets are greatly improved compared to several years ago? Hey, you got it. One thing that we've seen for decades is that consumers have money. They're going to spend it. And consumers have money right now uh, between between uh, all the money they saved during the pandemic and all the money that they've gotten, you know, some are from from big, uh, big government spending. Uh, there's just a lot of liquidity out there. And so consumers are going to use that money. They're going to buy things. And uh, it's, they, there's, uh, there's not a lot of debt right now on the consumer balance sheet, as you point out. And, uh, and the money continues to flow in. As long as that happens, we're going to see retail sales soar, and we're going to see retail stocks soar. 
Last week, uh, we noted the uh, the closing of the last Sears store in Illinois and that a lot of retailers didn't make it this far uh, to see this uh, retail renaissance taking place. For the companies that spent uh, the better part of the last decade taking their lumps, but at the same time uh, reorienting their business to an in-person but also online model, uh, the dividends are now showing up and then some. Well, could be. We're going to have to see, aren't we, whether or not they've really changed their business models, whether or not they're really meeting consumer needs, or whether it's just a time when all boats are rising. As we get into next Christmas, a year from now, then we'll find out. Because if you think, you know, people are bragging, oh, my, it's my brilliant strategic moves. That's why my sales are up. You'll hear that from all these retailers. Some of them may have made enough changes to appeal to consumers. Some of them didn't. Uh, the pandemic or coming out of the pandemic doesn't make a bad strategy, a good strategy. And so we're going to see who really changed something to meet consumer needs and who didn't as we get to the next year or two. Right now, everyone gets a pass this year. It's a home run. It's fantastic. But, uh, but in the end of the day, the Internet's still winning. And uh, these stores better adapt fast. Uh, you know, Amazon is, is always out there, and even though their shares dipped just a little bit. Um, what is it, though, about uh, just the in-person experience or just going outside of Amazon? You know, why, why are consumers uh, going back to Macy's and Dillard's and all these uh, traditional names? Look, look uh, consumers are, st- you know, we're people. People are social animals, and uh, shopping is one of the greatest forms of entertainment. For many Americans, it continues to be, be so. And when Black Friday rolls around, don't you believe everyone's going to sit at home and just click away? Sure, it's going to be a big day online, probably the second biggest online day after Cyber Monday, but it's going to be a massive day in stores, one of the biggest Black Fridays ever. Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors, formerly Vice Chairman and Target and Chairman and CEO of Toys R Us in Vero Beach, Florida. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday, and helping us out this afternoon is Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist at Ingalls & Snyder, based in New York. Tim, thanks for joining us this afternoon. What are your stocks of the week? Uh, good afternoon, Rob. Nice to be with you. I have two names for you. Uh, both uh, reported earnings, which were very strong. Uh, but the market didn't seem to like them, and they're, so they're down a bit. And that's what I was looking for for today. We're, we're two good companies that are down a bit from their tops. Uh, IAC Interactive Corp. Uh, this is a, a company run by Barry Diller, who's the media maven. Uh, their, uh, their marquee uh, holding is Angie's. It used to be Angie's List. Now it's not, now just Angie. Uh, this is a home services company. Uh, they also own a number of uh, internet search companies and a, lo- a number of smaller companies in various parts of technology, uh, technology services. Um, and uh, they also own over 12% of MGM, the casino company. So this is a little mini conglomerate. Uh, and uh, the earnings were very strong, above ex- expectations, uh, this is a company that is uh, sitting on a lot of cash. Uh, Barry Diller is going to make some major acquisition here, uh, and he's had a great track record. So this is a company we love. IAC is the ticker. And then what's your next stock for the week? Uh, the other one is ServiceNow. Uh, this is a, a software company. Uh, they optimize uh, communication and workflow uh, at the enterprise, at, at companies. Uh, they really dominate that business. 
Uh, it's a cloud-based business, and they just help uh, make companies more efficient in terms of communication and workflow. Again, a software company, uh, very steady in terms of earnings, a big subscription base. Uh, this is a, a major company that is down a bit since uh, reporting very strong billings growth of 26% uh, for the third quarter. Uh, and management had a high degree of confidence in, in the fourth quarter pipeline. Uh, so we think this is also a great opportunity. NOW is the ticker. So your two stocks for the week, uh, IAC Interactive, the uh, ticker symbol IAC, and then ServiceNow, N-O-W, uh, that's the ticker there. And you think uh, both of them are underappreciated. There we go. Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist at Ingalls & Snyder, based in New York. Thank you for joining us this afternoon on Stock Picker Monday. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month. Month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.